but we want to stop and pause right now. We want to take this day before things get too much down the road and just recognize the, the high school graduates and the investment that our youth ministry has played in their life and in, in preparing them for, uh, to, to do whatever God is calling them to do, wherever God is calling them to do it, and prepare, to prepare their protection and to get, give them the wisdom that they need to be able to um, uh, stand against the wiles of the devil and wherever they might be going. And so we, we, we're going to take that, that moment today, just this service, and we're going to honor those that are graduates. Uh, not all of them are going to be able to be here, but uh, Luke Fleshman, who has been our, uh, the, uh, the leader of the high school ministry for the last several years, and uh, has done a terrific job leading leading that age group, and we're thankful for him. We're thankful for his family and the investment they pay. So, Luke, come on up here. Why don't you open up the word and preach to us? The hoot and holler over there for me. Thanks, Mitch. <laughs> Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, I was told right before I came up here that my grandma is watching online. So good morning. Happy birthday, grandma. Today is her birthday. So thank you for watching in internet land, as Jeremy uh, described it. So uh, anyways, welcome to everyone else who's, who's here as well. So um, like Randy said, I'm the, the youth leader here at, at Heartland and have been for um, the last three years. And uh, it is kind of a weird time to do graduation because school, if you're in the Harrisonville district, starts tomorrow. So, uh, you know, we're, we're a little behind. But, uh, you know, in the month of May, we weren't really meeting in person. And so that's when we typically would do this type of service. And so uh, rather than just, you know, kind of gloss over uh, the seniors, we wanted to make sure that we recognize them. And, um, you know, several of the other things in their, you know, senior year got kind of skipped over with with uh, everything that's going on. So we want to make sure we recognize them. So uh, like Randy said, we do have, um, and I think it's in your bulletin, we have three um, seniors that graduated this year. And so I'm going to go ahead and have Rachel Horton come on up. She is, yeah, welcome her up. So we do have three graduates. Uh, Rachel is the only one that was able to make it because people are busy and life is going on, and like Randy said, graduates are sometimes uh, already on their way to school or wherever, so, um, but we want to make sure we, we recognize Rachel and, and uh, her accomplishment in graduating high school, and uh, so Rachel, I think we have, do you have the next slide up there? We have a picture of her. Uh, so just a little bit of information about Rachel. Uh, she is the daughter of James and Michelle, so uh, James obviously leads our praise ministry here, and um, so she graduated from Harrisonville. There's the pictures. You can see them. Uh, she graduated from Harrisonville High School. Uh, her plans going forward, she's hoping to go to Northwest uh, University after a gap year, I guess is what they call it, where you take a year off. So she's going to try and work and save up some money. And um, she wants to go to school and major in creative writing and minor in law. So she's going to be schooling all of us one of these days. Uh, we ask, uh, we ask them when the graduates um, are graduating, we ask them to fill out like a questionnaire. And uh, one of the things that ask is, do you feel that God's calling you to anything specific? And uh, such so is really open-ended for the, you know, for the graduate to mention anything that they might feel that God's calling them to do or, you know, God maybe is, is asking them to do. And uh, so Rachel answered that question with a yes. And um, she wants to finish discipleship. So her and Mickey Fox have been going through uh, discipleship for a while now. And 
Um, obviously, that's a, you know, a special time to, to invest uh, life in one another. And so Mickey's been doing that for, uh, I don't know, a year or two years or some period of time. She's saying two years. So uh, they've been doing that for a while. And so uh, she wants to, uh, Rachel wants to finish that up. And uh, so hopefully she can get that done this year while she's still at home. And um, she also, because she's majoring in creative writing, she's hoping to be able to write books and uh, have those books be able to help uh, influence people in, in similar situations as she's in. So uh, she's excited about that. And uh, I asked her if she wanted to say anything, and she said no. So we're going to, she's, she's very nervous, so we're going to let her uh, have a seat and uh, just congratulate her for, for graduating. Okay, uh, if you guys want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be there. We'll flip around a little bit, but that's where we're going to start. Um, so like I mentioned, this, is, you know, this was a tough year for, for graduates because um, you know, many of them, after they left for, for spring break, uh, didn't go back you know, to school in person, like probably almost all of them. And, uh, and so that's kind of a weird thing whenever you don't know that it, that's what's going to be happening. You don't know when you, lay, when you leave for spring break that you're not going to be coming back that year. And for most of us, or at least for me, uh, I would have been very excited about not having to go back to school for a period of time. But uh, when you're a senior, it's especially difficult because senior year is always full of, you know, bittersweet things because, uh, you know, it's, you're, you're graduating and that's exciting and you're moving on to do something different and that's exciting and, uh, you know, life's going to change, you know, the order of, you know, going to school Monday through Friday and, you know, the kind of the rigor of, of high school is, is no more. And so that's, you know, that stuff's exciting. But then there's the, there's the bitter side of it, you know, where you're, you're saying bye to friends, you're, you're recognizing that, you know, maybe you were involved in clubs or, you know, sports or whatever the thing was that you did in high school. Um, you know, that thing is, is not going to be anymore. Maybe you won't see some of these people again. And so, uh, so there's a little bit of a bittersweet, uh, element to graduation. And so, uh, we always want to recognize that. And, and, um, you know, the, a lot of people, when they graduate high school, they don't know what, you know, what the next thing is for them, and, and uh, that's often the case, but as Christians, we do know, maybe we don't know exactly what the next thing is, but we do know that, that God desires to use each one of us, right? God desires that we would, uh, you know, go forth and, and share the gospel and, and uh, you know, have a testimony before the lost world that, that draws uh, people in, and so that's kind of what I want to focus on um, this morning. It's, it's uh, just kind of a simple uh, three-point uh, outline as as is the standard Baptist way of doing things, um, and so you know we know uh, we know uh, us us adults know um, that when we graduate from high school and we we maybe leave mom and dad's house and maybe things are you know different the the um, the rules and the the agenda of our life is not really necessarily set out for us and so um, our our enemy our our you know the world the flesh and the devil they. Uh, they thrive on that, right? There, there's opportunity when, when things are changing, there's opportunity for us to kind of drift away. And oftentimes that's the case with, um, you know, people when they graduate and they, they get out of mom and dad's house and they're not necessarily under that authority anymore. Uh, the, the desire is maybe to drift away from church or to drift away from the Lord in, in whatever way. And sometimes they come back and sometimes they don't. And, and that's, you know, that's a, a sad thing to, to see. And so uh, obviously our, our prayers need to be for, for Rachel and for um, Hunter Evans and for uh, Rebecca Rushley that they would, uh, as they you know step out into whatever is next for them, that that God would you know stay that they would stay connected with the Lord, right? That I mean, God's doing His work and God's 
uh, always going to be there for us, but we want to make sure that they aren't, you know, kind of drifting away. And so uh, it's my prayer, hopefully it's your guys' prayer, that, uh, that these guys are able to, to stay plugged in and, and stay doing what it is that God wants for them. And, um, but all of us also know that it's not just seniors, right, that, that our, our enemy is, is after. Uh, he's not just after our, our children. He's not just after, um, you know, the, the ones that are maybe moving on, but he's, he's after all of us, right? We all struggle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And, and so um, I want to look at, at Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read a passage. If you, have the, if you don't have a Bible, the Bible's uh, underneath the, the chairs in front of you. I did look it up. It's on page 1569. I actually remember to do it. I left a blank in my notes, so I would remember to do it because uh, Brian always does such a good job of that. So uh, anyways, it's 1,569. We're going to read um, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 18. So it's a decent chunk uh, of Scripture here, but... Um, Let's read it. It says in verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and uh, of things in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Uh, Let's pray. Dearly Father, God, I just uh, come to you this morning and just um, humble God as we read this this uh, familiar passage about humility and and uh, just the the humble spirit that that your Son came to this earth with and uh, God, I just pray that as as we um, just talk about this passage, God, that you would just speak to each one of us. I pray that our hearts are ready to receive what it is that you would have for us. And um, as as we often mention, God, I pray that we would um, not just be hearers of your word this morning, but that we would be doers and. Um, God, that you would just speak through me and, and help us to, to take the things that uh, we're going to talk about this morning and just apply them in, the, in our lives, God, and um, that includes me, God. I, I need to apply these things as well, so I pray that you would just um, just be with us all as we, we uh, hear what you have for us this morning. In your name, amen. Uh, so this, the first part of this passage is fairly familiar. Uh, if you've been around church, you've probably heard um, the first part of this just about you know, the, the humility of Jesus Christ. We talk about this passage a lot when dealing with humility, and so, uh, but I want to kind of look at um, a few different things. So the, f- the first point uh, of our message, the first um, thing that I want to charge specifically the seniors with, but uh, with all of us, is uh, point number one is just be humble. So um, verse five, Paul is encouraging us to let this mind be, uh, let you know, the mind of Christ be in us. And so when you read that, uh, you know, how do we how do we put the mind of Christ in us. We, we read his word, right? We, we spend time uh, in God's word. And, you know, a lot of us, are, I think it'd be kind of cool sometimes to, uh, to be able to know what other people are thinking, right? To be able to, 
to be able to hear what it is that other people are thinking. Maybe that wouldn't always be a good thing, but, um, but you know, God has, has given us his mind, right? The, the mind of Christ is, uh, is in the pages of the book that you're holding, and, uh, you know, we don't have to wonder what God is thinking or how God feels about a certain thing. Uh, we know, right? We have God's word, and, and it's up to us to be uh, putting that in our own head, right? We need to be uh, in the word if we're going to be putting that in our head. And so, uh, as Paul charges us to to let this mind be in us, um, that doesn't just happen by accident, right? You can't just sleep with your Bible under your pillow and and uh, you know get the mind of Christ in you. It takes effort and it takes um, time in His Word. And so uh, we talk about that a lot around here. That that you know we need to be in the Word and we need to be praying. And uh, it seems like a simple thing that we teach, you know, even in the the kids' classes. Uh, but you know, even as an adult, like we all struggle with that, right? It, it sounds simple, but it's not. And so. Um, so spend time with the Word of God and, and spend time um, getting the mind of Christ in us. And uh, <clears throat> in verse 6, it says that uh, it says that who being in the form, so it's talking about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And uh, in, in uh, the day and age that we live in, that, that simple you know, phrase of that God is, or that Jesus Christ is equal with God, uh, that phrase is under attack, right? The the deity of Jesus Christ is is under attack, and and uh, you know maybe you maybe you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He is God, and I hope that all of us in this room do believe that. Uh, but maybe you don't have necessarily the tools to be able to defend that point or or um, recognize, you know, find a way in the Word of God to defend that. And so there's a verse right here that says uh, that Jesus Christ, you know, was in the form of God, and and He didn't think it was robbery uh, to be in the form of, or to be equal with God. And uh, if you flip over to, hold your place here, because we'll be right back to it, but flip over to Exodus uh, chapter 20. I don't know what page that one is on. I didn't check. So we know that, uh, we know that God takes his place, uh, his position, um, in this universe, seriously, and he also takes his place uh, in our lives, seriously, right? God wants to be and deserves to be and ought to be um, first and foremost in everything, right? In our lives, uh, but in the universe. And so in Exodus chapter 20, it's the, the giving of the, the Ten Commandments. And uh, if you look at verse 3, um, it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So, uh, you know, God gives Ten Commandments. You guys probably know that. Uh, but he takes the first two of these, you know, of, of the ten things that, that God wants for the nation of Israel to, to know and to live by and to obey. Um, he has ten things that he wants to tell them, ten commands that he gives them. And he spends the first two of those things uh, making sure that their priority is him first. And so verse 3 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Uh, no, you know, no other god should be before God. And we know that um, if we've read the Old Testament, you know that the nation of Israel struggled with that. Um, you know, throughout their entire existence, and, and we struggle with that uh, to this day. Uh, verse 4 says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, uh, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And so, you know, God doesn't uh, mix words here. He doesn't, um, you know, he wants to be, he wants it to be well known that, you know, he wants to be first, right? He deserves to be first. 
And, uh, you know, he, he doesn't leave any room for anything else to be number one. And then uh, on top of all that, he says, you know, I'm a jealous God. And, uh, you know, we think of jealousy as a, as a bad thing and oftentimes can be. But when you're, uh, when you're righteous and when you're deserving of, of being worshiped like God is, um, you know, he, he deserves to be jealous. He, we, we need to be recognizing that he's first and, and putting him in priority um, in our lives. And so <clears throat> uh, flip back over to back to Philippians. So God takes that position um, in our lives and, and in the universe very seriously. So when it says in verse 6 that, that Jesus didn't think it was robbery to be equal with God, and then you know, later on in this passage in verse 9 it says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. Um, you know, God didn't think it was robbery either, right? Jesus Christ deserved um, to be equal with God, and, and, uh, and he was and he is equal with God. And so um, I, I, I lay all that out, the, the, you know, the deity of Jesus Christ, because... Um, what he does next, what, what he does with um, that position that, he, that he's in, right? The number one um, most high, most important position equal with God, um, the thing that he does after that, may, I mean, I think it makes it even more impressive and more uh, just amazing what, what he does. So, um, <clears throat> so in verse, uh, verse 7, it says, But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And so, you know, Jesus Christ did not, when he came to this earth, he did not come to the earth, uh, you know, born in a royal family. We know he's from uh, the lineage of David, but uh, he, he wasn't born to like an active ruling reigning king. Uh, he wasn't born into, you know, some wealthy noble family. He wasn't born into, uh, you know, a celebrity type role. He wasn't born into a, even a well-off family, right? He was born to just a blue collar carpenter, right? He was born to, uh, you know, this, this low, man of low estate. And uh, so to to think about the humility that it would take to take uh, somebody who is God, right, who is equal with God, and uh, and put him in, you know, in so, inside of something that he created, right? You know, God created mankind, and it says that he put him in the likeness of man. And um, I just think that that's, you know, that's really amazing. And, it, you know, it is an example for us to to be humble, right, to show humility. And, and uh, all too often we get caught up in, you know, ourselves and our own pride, and we want to be recognized for something and we want to do uh we want people to know who we are and and uh that's that's our focus right that's our that's our desire sometimes and we need to take a step back and recognize that uh the the one person who deserves to be recognized in that way uh, you know voluntarily gave that up and um and so you know he, he put himself um into into man and uh he went from being you know the most high god to to just a common man and um, I, I just thought about, you know, when Jesus Christ was a child, um, you know, growing up, going through, you know, all the things that, that normal kids go through, uh, you know, he was probably picked on, people messed with him. Um, you know, obviously that happened when, when he was an adult. We have some of those stories. But, um, you know, there were times in Jesus's life when things were not, you know, great and perfect, right? I mean, anybody uh, who's lived any length of time at all recognizes that things don't always go the way you want them to go, right? And Jesus Christ it says that he suffered in all points like as we are, right? So he went through all of these things that, that we all struggle with, right? Similar things. And, uh, and he came through it perfect, right? He came through it without sin. And so when, when we hear that, when we read that, um, you know, at any point in time, Jesus Christ could have, you know, pulled the plug on this experiment. Um, he could have gone back, you know, back to heaven where he deserved to be. And, and so, you know, when we think about the humility that it takes, um, I've, I often think about the humility that it takes for for Jesus Christ to come down and put himself in, in man form, 
that's, that's a huge uh, act of humility. But I, I think that probably more an act of humility would be to live in that day in and day out, uh, spending 33 years not having, uh, you know, the, not, not being in God form and, and not, you know, and having to deal with all the, the struggles that, that, we, that we deal with as mankind. And, and uh, I just think that, 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 that the more I think about it, the more I don't understand it. You know, the more impressive it is and the more, um, you know, humbling to me that is um, that Jesus Christ did that for us, right? I mean, the, the only reason he did that, the only reason that he, that he went through and, and came down to this earth and, and lived, you know, in this, in this body, for 33 and a half years, the only reason he did that was to repair the broken relationship with his own creation, right? The, it wasn't his fault that things were, that things were messed up, right? That that, that that communion was broken, right? The fellowship between uh, God and man was not broken because of something God did. It was broken because of something we did, and yet he still uh, took the time to come down and, uh, and do all the things that we read about and the things that we know that he did, and, and uh, it's just, it's amazing to me. And so, you know, I mean, any, anybody can be humble for, you know, a moment or a day or uh, perform an act of humil- humility. Uh, anybody can do that, right? And um, if we, you know, just desire to do that, we can, we can be humble for a moment or for a day or for a week even. But uh, to live it out every single day um, for an entire lifetime is just, it's humbling to hear. And uh, I don't know if I heard this quote somewhere or if I did, I don't uh, know who said it. But um, you know, being humble is not thinking that you're better than someone else. It's realizing that you truly are no better than anyone else. And so, you know, it's from our own perspective, you know, we think, okay, I, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be humble, I have to think of myself, you know, as not being better than somebody else, right? Put myself, uh, beneath that person, put that, you know, uh, esteem others better than myself. Right? I say that to my kids all the time, you know, esteem others better than yourself. And we should be doing that. But, uh, you know, just, just thinking of somebody else, you know, thinking of ourselves um, less is not really the point. We need to recognize that we truly are not better than anybody else, right? All of us are sinners. It, it doesn't, it's not about, you know, oh, you know, I'm, today I'm going to put this person ahead of me and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, submit, submit myself underneath them. Um, that, that's, that's not really the whole part of humility, right? We need to be um, realize, recognizing that, that we don't deserve to be ahead of anybody else or above anybody else. Uh, I think that's true humility. And so uh, I think that uh, if we went around this entire room, I think that, uh, you know, we could probably find something in each of our lives that we maybe are better at than, than everyone else in this room. You know, maybe you're the best, whatever, fill in the blank. I don't know. You're the best something in this room, right? I think all of us probably have something that we are better than anybody else in this room at. But that, you know, that, that, the best thing that we can do, the thing that you're the best at, doesn't get you even close to uh, back in fellowship with God, right? It doesn't get you uh, even close to back, you know, to spending eternity in heaven with Him. It's only because of the humility of Jesus Christ that that we have that opportunity, right? That's that's the only way um, that we could that we could have that relationship restored is by uh, by Jesus Christ's humility. And so I just think it's it's just an amazing. Uh, a list of, of things when you when you really sit and think about it. and I spent a lot of time this week just thinking about um, you know being humble and and just the humility that that uh, is on display for us and if we're going to be call ourselves Christians we all know that means little Christ right we need to act like Christ and so when it's laid out so clearly for us be humble like Jesus Christ was humble right uh, that's that's my first point is to, to be humble and 
look at verses 12 to 14. The second point, if you're taking notes, is to be holy. And they're kind of a, it's kind of a progression as we go through. So uh, if, if we can be humble, right, if we can humble ourselves, um, then that's going to lead us into the next step, which is, which is holiness. And uh, that's kind of been the focus for our church this year, right, is holiness and uh, or wholeness in holiness, I guess it is. Um, but in verse, verse 12, it says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, it does not say work for your own salvation with fear and trembling. It says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And uh, I think all of us in this room probably know that we don't work for our salvation, but, um, but it's, it's laid out here for us. It's work out your own salvation. Um, how do we know that we don't have to work for it? Verse 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so, uh, you know, so it's God that does the work, right? There is, there is work involved in salvation. And that's, you know, not what we normally say because we, we don't have to do anything, right? There's no work on our part um, to be saved. But there is work on God's part, right? He does that circumcision without hands that talks about in Colossians. And, um, you know, God does do work in us. Uh, to get us to the point of salvation. And then uh, beyond that, if, if we allow him to be uh, active in our life, God works through us, right? Like it says in verse 13, he works through us. And um, talking, I don't know why up here, maybe it's because I'm a little nervous. I'm like going through the water. So I apologize. So Paul talks about uh, if you've been through Discipleship 1, you probably should know this verse. And if Sam Hedges was here this morning, I'd probably make him stand up and say it because I'm taking him through discipleship and I know he knows it. But uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, right? Uh, we're, we're not saved by works, right? We're saved by grace. And uh, at the end of that, it says, not of works lest any man should boast. And uh, boasting is, is the opposite of humility, right? If it was because of our own works, um, we, could, we could boast about that, right? Uh, but it's not. It's not because of our own works. And so it goes back to that humility that we just talked about. <clears throat> Excuse me. Probably shouldn't have done that in the mic. Sorry, Raymond. Um, so not only does God do the work of salvation, God does that work in us, um, and God also works through us. And uh, if you've ever been involved in ministry at this church or anywhere else, you know that, uh, that serving in the ministry in your flesh when you show up and you're not prayed up and you're not ready to go and you're not really walking with the Lord, you've just kind of been, you know, fumbling your way through the week and you haven't read your Bible and you're not really uh, spiritually ready to, to serve, uh, it makes it really difficult, right? If you work in the kids' ministry, the kids are just going to be, everything they do is going to be disobedient. It's going to be against what you're trying to get them to do. They're not going to listen. Uh, it's going to be stressful for you, right? I think all of us probably have been there. I've been there. Uh, where I'm, where I'm doing something, and I'm, I'm just trying to do it in my own might and my own power, and, and I'm, I, you know, I think, oh, I can show up for an hour and a half and, and teach these kids and sing some songs and uh, all of that, and I, I try and do it in my own power and my own flesh, and it doesn't work out, right? It, you know, that, that's not, that's for my glory, right? That's my pride that, uh, that wants to think, oh, I can just, I can handle this, I can do it on my own, and uh, it's, it's God that has to do the work through us, and. If on the flip side of that, if you've ever showed up to ministry and, and you are prayed up and you, you know, you've prayed over the kids and you've, or you've prayed over whatever ministry that you're getting ready to take part in and, and you're ready, right? You've, you've been in the word, you, you feel like, you, feel like you, know, you and God are on the same page and, and you're here for his glory and not your own. 
it's, it's a totally different outcome. It's a totally different feel. It's a totally different, um, you know, time serving. Because when, you, when you're serving in, the, in a ministry, uh, it takes humility, right? It, it takes being ready. It takes being holy. It takes, uh, you know, preparation on your part. And, uh, and, and then God can just do that work, right? If we're just a vessel, if we're just uh, that empty vessel ready to be used by him, uh, God will do that. God will show up, and, uh, and he'll do the work for us. In Psalm 127, verse 1, you don't have to flip over there. I think it's going to be on the slides. It says that, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Uh, so, you know, it, it doesn't say that, that God's going to, you know, physically come down and build the house, right? We still have to do the work. Um, but it, but if God's not in it, right, we're laboring in vain. If, if we're, if we're working around this church and we're investing into, uh, the lives of other people and we're, we're serving and doing our thing and, and God's not in it, we're wasting our time. We're not, you know, there's not going to be rewards laid up in heaven for that. If, if your mentality is that you're going to, uh, just do it under your own power, you know, God's not getting the glory from that. And, um, and in the long run, that, that's going to be shown out. So, so don't do ministry in the flesh. Uh, last weekend we had our men's retreat. Uh, several of you guys were there for that, and and uh, my dad spoke uh, on Saturday, and uh, he was speaking from First uh, Samuel chapter thirty. He was talking about the David's mighty men that stayed with the stuff, and um, if you've been around a missions conference or anything like that, uh, you've probably heard you know stay by the stuff, and and uh, you know some of us who who are here while missionaries are serving elsewhere, you know. Our job is to stay by the stuff and, and be in prayer and, and be watchful and be working and all of those things. And so as he was kind of laying that out, he, he made a comment that said, uh, he said, <clears throat> we can, we can, if we're honest with ourselves, we can all do more, I think is how he said it. And, you know, that just really resonated with me because uh, a lot of times I feel like I'm doing so much, right? We're all so busy. We all have so many things that we're involved in. And, and uh, you know, and for, for me to hear my dad say that, you know, he's involved in so many different things and has been, you know, my entire life and um, is really an example in ministry. But for him to say, you know, if we're honest, we can all do more. I'm thinking, you know, like how much, how much more can we do? Like how much more time is there? You know, I don't, we don't get any extra time. We don't get any extra uh, days over anybody else. Like we all have the same amount of time to work with. And, uh, and, and, but when he said we can all do more, I mean, you start thinking about that. You know, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a point when we get to the judgment seat of Christ that, that we're, any of us, are going to regret spending so much time doing, you know, doing the, you know, working in the ministry, sharing the gospel with people. Like, that's not going to be stuff that, you know, we were, well, man, I wish I would have, you know, watched more Netflix or spent more time on Facebook or, you know, watch more Chiefs or whatever, you know. Uh, whatever your thing is, right, uh, I don't think you're going to wish that you spent more time doing that uh, than you did investing, right, in the lives of others, um, sharing the gospel with people, discipling them up, training them up. Uh, so, so the more I thought about that, you know, there is, there is more that we can all do, right? Whether that's, I mean, that may not be more time. That may be more, uh, you know, do it, uh, not in the flesh, right? Maybe that's, maybe that's the more that you can do. Maybe it's the same amount of time, but it's, it's, uh, you know, you're actually prepared and you're, you're prayed up and, and God's going to do the work through you. Maybe that's, maybe that's what, uh, what we can take from that. But, um, I added it up. There's 1000, I didn't add it up. I, did a simple math equation. There's 1,440 minutes in a day, 1,440 minutes that we all have each day. And uh, I was just thinking about this. I haven't done this. Uh, I would probably be ashamed to do it. But uh, if we were to sit down and, and list out what we did 
with each one of those minutes, right, for just a day or for a week, I don't know, however long, if we just sat down and we, we listed out what we did with, with those minutes of time each day, how many of us would be, like, not ashamed to show that list to somebody else, right? Even to my spouse, right? Like, this is how much time I spent on my phone. I don't know if any of you guys have the, on my iPhone, I get a message. I think it's every Sunday, like an alert that tells you how many hours a day you had screen time. Is like, it always comes through when I'm in the youth room. It comes through at like 9, 15 in the morning on Sundays. I don't know if that's a setting or what I need to do to change that, but it's always convicting because it comes through and it's like, hey, you were, you were up 30% on your screen time this week, you know, for an average of like four hours a day. And I'm like, what? Like, how did I spend four hours a day on my phone or, or whatever the numbers are? But I think if we were to sit down and we were to actually write out, you know, I spent this many minutes sleeping. I spent this many minutes on my phone. I spent this many minutes, whatever the thing that, that you spend more time with uh, than you should or, or more time than... Uh, than you do in the Word of God. If we wrote all that out, I think all of us would be embarrassed, right, to, to share that with somebody else. But that's how much time we have, right? We all have the same amount of time. Uh, we get to choose, right, our free will. We we'll, we'll get to choose what we want to do with that time. And uh, it's just it was just super convicting to me to, to think about, you know, what I'm doing with those minutes each day. And uh, we don't know how long we have, right? Proverbs tells us we don't know what uh, tomorrow brings forth, um, and so, you know, we, we don't know when, when Jesus Christ is going to come back, but, uh, but we do know how much time we have today, right? We do know how many minutes we have in a day. We do know how much uh, time that, that we need to be investing in things that matter, right? Things that are eternal. And uh, that's the word of God in the souls of men. And so be holy. Uh, verse 14 continues in this, this vein of talking about uh, being holy. It says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. I don't like that verse. <laughs> The more, the more I read it, the more I read it this week, it's like, do all things without murmurings and disputing. Like, I want to complain, right? It feels good to complain, especially to somebody else, right? Listen to how much work I'm doing. Listen to how much, you know, how, what kind of problems I'm going through. Like, we all like to, to talk about those things, and, and uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't share, share our struggles, but, uh, you know, do all things without murmurings and disputings. And uh, I think Mitch always talks about embrace the suck. That's his, that's his uh, mantra from the military is, right, just something, sometimes things are, are not how you want them to be, uh, but we need to do, you know, we need to do the ministry. We need to do the work that God calls us to do without murmuring and without disputing. We're not going to complain about it, and we're not going to, you know, second-guess God on it, right? Once, once you know God's calling you to do something, once you know uh, the right thing that you need to be doing, just do that thing, right? Don't, don't dispute it. Don't argue about it, um, even if it's all just, you know, in your head to God. Don't. Don't, uh, don't argue with the Lord on the things that we're supposed to be doing. Uh, all of you guys that are parents, I know that, uh, that this has happened to you because it happens to me. Uh, we tell our kids, I tell my kids, you know, get all your stuff out of the living room, right? There, I don't know why there's clothes everywhere, toys everywhere, books everywhere, whatever it is, right? Pick it all up. And then if they do it, that's great, right? But if they do it and they're stomping around the house and they're flopping all the way down the hallway and hemming and hawing about it and, uh, you know, whining and complaining and why do I have to do this? And that, that just ruins the fact that they're doing it, right? I mean, uh, it, it doesn't count as obedience if, if the attitude is wrong, right? And so, you know, if God is calling us to do something or God uh, wants us to do something, like get in the Word every day, uh, if, if I get up and I'm getting in the Word 
And I'm just like, man, I got so much other stuff to do. I don't want to be doing this right now. I just kind of skim my way through it. I get done with a chapter or two, and I'm like, I don't know what I just read, but I did it. I can check that box, and I can move on. Uh, if that's the attitude that I'm approaching the Word of God with, if that's the attitude that, that I'm approaching you know, my Heavenly Father with, uh, that's not obedience, right? That doesn't count. Uh, God doesn't want me to just go through the motions of, of spending time with Him. Um, he wants me to go through the, you know, to go through it with, uh, with the right heart attitude. And so, you know, as parents, whenever we watch our kids do that, it's just, it's so, it's so frustrating. Um, but the moment that I that I open my mouth to say something about it, I'm almost always convicted because, uh, you know, I just have this this flash of this is God saying the same exact thing to me. And I mean, it happens with my kids all the time where I'll say something, and as the words are coming out of my mouth, I recognize you know, God could just as easily be saying that exact same thing to me about why my attitude is bad or why, why I'm not cleaning up my room, right? Why my spiritual room, why I'm not getting the stuff out of my life that doesn't need to be in my life, right? Uh, you know, all those things that I, that I tell my kids, not every single thing, but very often as I'm saying them, God is just bringing to my, you know, bringing to my uh, memory things that I need to be cleaning up and getting rid of and, uh, and dealing with with the right attitude, and, uh, and so I just think that, that that's, a, that's a very interesting aspect of being a parent because, um, you know, you don't really recognize that that's going to happen when you, before you have children. But as soon as you have them and you start telling them those things, it just, it just, it's a constant life lesson. I can always have something to share about, uh, you know, my obedience with the Lord because uh, I, I deal with my kids on that. So uh, the point three, the third uh, final point here is, is to be harmless. So first was be humble, and that's going to lead you into being holy. And then uh, the last point is to be harmless. And so, uh, like I mentioned, it is a progression. And, and uh, you know, the more you do the first thing, the, the easier it's going to be to be holy. And the, the more uh, time that you spend being holy, um, the less likely you are to be harmless that it talks about here in verse 15. So verse 15 says uh, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And so just the first thing I want to point out on there is just, uh, isn't it great whenever you read and, you know, the Bible calls you a son of God? I just, um, that should, you know, that should make us excited and happy. You know, God's saying, be blameless and harmless. Be, you know, show ourselves to be the son of God or the daughter of God that we are, right? And so, uh, so if we humble ourselves and if we allow God to do the work in us, uh, we're going to be blameless and we're going to be harmless. And uh, I really focused in on, I mean, we talked uh, a decent amount around here about being blameless and and uh, but I really God really was kind of pulling at this this word harmless for me and and uh, you know we live in a world that uh, is is not doing well right now right when you when you see uh, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation I mean is there a better way to describe the United States of America in 2020 than a crooked and perverse nation and uh, the last thing that we want to do is, is to be harmless or to be uh, causing harm. Right? We want to be harmless. We want to uh, not cause harm to the lost world around us by doing all these things that we just talked about, by, uh, you know, murmuring and, dis- and disputing. Please do not complain, uh, you know, at work or to your lost friends or neighbors or coworkers or whoever, uh, you know, about about the work you're doing in ministry, right? That, that's not something that needs to be, uh, you know, complained about to the lost world. I, I've done that, 
right? Uh, I used to work at Commerce Bank, and when I, you know, when I would be there, sometimes I would just be, you know, this was a really rough weekend. It was, you know, I would complain about something. As soon as it came out of my mouth or even before, I was like, why am I, you know, voicing my, you know, my own fleshly problems, my own pride problems about, you know, some work I'm doing at the church to these lost people, right? That's not the thing that we need to be uh, promoting. That's not, that is causing harm, right? We need to be harmless. We need to be, um, you know, protecting our testimony uh, around this this crooked and perverse nation that we live in. We live around and we live in uh, a really dark world. And, and the last thing that, the, that that world needs is another excuse to, to not come to church, to not uh, care about having a relationship with Christ because, uh, you know, they see us and they're like, nah, I don't really, you know, there's nothing there I really need, right? That, that doesn't appeal to me. Uh, all this person does is complain about it. Why would I want that, right? That, that's not uh, how we need to be going about our lives. And um, we need to be, at the end of that verse, it says, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Uh, the cool thing about lights is the, the darker it is, the, the brighter, even a small light can shine, right? The, the darker the world gets, uh, you know, our little light, this little light of mine, right, can shine brighter and brighter the darker it gets. And, and that's, that's kind of where we're at right now is it's a, it's a dark place, right? The, the world is, is wicked. The world is evil. And uh, we are lights, and we need to act that way. Uh, and how do we do that? How do we shine as lights in the world? Maybe you want to be a light, but you're like, I don't know what that means. What does it mean to be a light? Uh, pick up in verse 16. Holding forth the word of life. Hold forth the word of life, right? It's easier said than done, but... Uh, it's really not a complicated concept, but hold forth the word of life. Uh, that means physically, right? When's the last time you carried your Bible somewhere that wasn't in your house or in this church, right? Do you take it to work with you? Do you, um, you know, do you open the, the word of God where other people can see it? I mean, if you were, if you were out at a restaurant and you saw somebody sitting or in your, you're in the lunchroom at work or whatever, and you see someone sitting there reading their Bible, wouldn't that stand out to you? Even as a Christian, that would, that would be something that I would identify like, that's, that's kind of weird, right, that that person is, is, has their Bible open in, like, a public place. You know, God forbid that we do that. Um, and as I, you know, was thinking about this, it brought to mind another story of my dad. I'm using all his stuff today, but uh, that's how my dad came to, to know the Lord is uh, there was a guy at work that, you know, I don't know if it was every day, but often my dad would see him praying over his food at lunch. I assume he probably had his Bible out from time to time, and... Uh, and so, you know, this guy was, uh, you know, reading his Bible, and he was praying at the lunchroom at work. And so, you know, my dad would identify with that and see uh, he would have called himself probably a Christian at the time. He was a church-going guy as a, as a kid, but, uh, but he wasn't saved. He, he didn't know the Lord as his personal Savior. And so when, when his life got dark, when, when things were not going well, uh, you know, that was the light that he, that he went back to, right? That was, that was the guy that he identified like, hey, this guy, something's different about this, this light, right? Something's different about this guy. And, uh, you know, because that guy was holding forth the word of life and he was holding it forth physically, like he actually had his Bible there, but he was also holding it forth spiritually, right? The way that he was living his life, you know, we, we need to live our life like we know what the word of God says. If, if you've been in this church any length of time at all, you know what the word of God says. You know, um, how you, you ought to be living your life. I know how I ought to be living my life. Um, is that the testimony that we have, though? Are, are we spiritually holding forth the word of life 
uh, to this lost and dying world. And uh, I just I just think about that from time to time. So, um, you know, if, if you don't know how to hold forth the word of life, there's people in this church, right? Get discipled. Uh, keep coming to church. Open the Bible and read it for yourself. If you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, you have uh, just as much ability to understand the word of God uh, as anybody else in this room does. Um, you know, the, the Holy Spirit can can speak to you through through God's word. Uh, flip over to Matthew chapter 22. As I was writing out this uh, this message this past week, I think it was Thursday or might have been Friday. I was uh, I was writing it all out and and you know I, as you if you ever prepared something like that sometimes I just sit down and I just start writing and I don't really know exactly what I'm going to be writing but I just kind of start writing and uh, you know God just speaks to me and I'm just I can't hardly write it down fast enough right as I, as it's just God's laying stuff on my heart so uh, so as I'm reading through and I, I'm I'm writing out this passage and I'm writing out you know, some of the things I might want to say, um, you know, I got to that part about holding fast uh, the, or holding forth the word of life. And uh, I was just instantly kind of convicted about, uh, God just laid on my heart, the idea of, of neighbors, right? Of the idea of our, our physical neighbors that we live around. And, uh, and so I was writing stuff about my neighbor, or not about my neighbors, but just about, um, about neighbors. And, uh, and God brought this passage to my mind, uh, Matthew twenty two thirty six through 40. So if this is the Pharisees, they're questioning Jesus. It says in verse 36, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? So we talked about the commandments of the law a little bit ago. Um, they're asking him, which one's the greatest? Verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. So that's basically a combination of the first, first two commandments that we talked about. Uh, but verse 39, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So put God first, love other people, right? Love God, love people. Um, that, that's, that's basically what Jesus is saying. And so, uh, but when I thought about that, I'm thinking about neighbors. And so I'm writing down stuff and, and God reminded me of, uh, I think it was, might have been last year at the Vision Conference or Bible Conference when Lee Carter was here. I don't know if any of you guys were here when he was here, but, um, but he was up here and he was speaking about uh, just you know, ways to evangelize, and from from everything I've heard and everything I've I've seen about him, he's like an amazing evangelist. And uh, he talked to Dave Branham. Dave Branham was telling me all about uh, stuff. He was showing me a video of him, you know, evangelizing on the streets to this guy in Spanish. And I don't know, just it's an amazing guy. I, I like to to hear about guys like that because I, I don't think that I'm a great evangelist. I don't do a great job sharing the gospel, but to to hear him do it, it's like it's super easy, right? And so, anyways, he was up here, and he was laying out this, uh, this method of, of reaching your neighbors. And he was saying, you know, go door to door and, you know, knock on doors. And, and whenever they open, just ask, you know, tell them who you are or whatever. And just ask them if there's anything that you can pray for them about. That was, like, his, his suggestion. Was just ask them if you can pray for them about anything, right? Most people uh, have something in their life that they might want prayer about, even if they don't know what that means. Uh, not everyone's going to be, you know, receptive. But, and then he said, you know, pray about it, right? Go home, pray about it. Uh, and maybe like a week later, go check on them, right? Follow up on that. Um, ask them, you know, how, how that thing is going. Or, you know, maybe God can do something miraculous, right? You know, what a surprise that would be if God does something amazing and answers that prayer, right? If we're, if we're praying for our neighbors. So anyways, I thought about that when he said it. 
and I thought, man, that's something I might be able to do, right? I'm not, I don't feel like comfortable just walking up to strangers and trying to share the gospel with them. Uh, that's kind of scary to me. But, I, you know, I know my neighbors. Like, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the people that live around me. I could probably go ask them if they need prayer, right? They, they know that, that, uh, that my wife and I are Christians. They know that we come to church. Uh, but it's not a lot deeper than that uh, for the most part. But I could go ask them if they need prayer for anything, and then I could follow up with them. And so, you know, I was kind of excited about it, and like we often do, uh, or at least I often do, as soon as I left the church, I kind of didn't really think about it again. Uh, it's probably been a year ago or a year and a half ago. And I really didn't think about it again until I was preparing this just this week. And uh, so as I'm writing stuff about neighbors, I'm like, you know, just this file in my memory comes up, like something about neighbors. Lee Carter was talking about that, and so I started remembering all the stuff he was saying, and, and I was like, man, I should have done that. I, you know, I meant to do that. That was one of the things that I took away from that conference was like, hey, the, I could do this. And, uh, and so anyway, so I'm, I'm praying about neighbors, and I'm just thinking about, you know, how God may be able to, to use me to reach my neighbor and how I can be a light to my neighbor. And, uh, and so anyway, so I haven't done that still. This was just a couple days ago that I remembered it, so give me some grace. I will be working on doing that. Um, but so I think, it was, I think it was Friday that I was writing all this out. I was, I was writing and praying about neighbors and stuff. And then Saturday, yesterday, uh, I was scrolling through Facebook, which I just recently again started doing, and I wish that I didn't do it. But anyways, I'm scrolling through Facebook, and I see one of my neighbors, and she posted this super sweet message. I'm probably going to tear up a little bit as I read it. Uh, so I apologize in advance. I'm not a big emotional person. But, um, but I, I wrote it down because it's just really sweet, so I'm going to read it. It says... One of my best friends and frequent visitors is, the, is in the first grade this school year. I don't know why he picked me to be his friend. I was having, I was having a really hard time. I was pretty lonely. My friend would come see me when I took things out to the recycle can. During the lockdown, because of COVID-19, I was sitting out in the driveway just to get out. My friend saw me outside his window and hollered that he missed me. I missed him too. Thanks, James. He came over and saw me this week. So one of my besties is in first grade. I think he saw that I needed a friend. That's my neighbor across the street. And she's talking about my son. talking about my six-year-old son, Lincoln. I know these tissues. <laughs> Last weekend at the men's conference, a couple different guys did this, and I'm like, <laughs> why are you guys tearing up about this? Now here I am. I understand Mitch, Ray. I understand Okay, so she's talking about Lincoln, right? Lincoln, for some reason, just has a connection with this lady. She's probably 60, 55, 60, I don't know. Um, but they're just like best friends. And so, you know, my, my six-year-old son is putting me to shame sharing the gospel with my neighbors, right? Reaching out. 
is just convicting to me, right? Am I being a light to my neighbors like my son is being a light to my neighbors? Okay. Done. Lock it down. <laughs> uh, I read this like five or six times this week. Like I just kept reading it over and over, and each time I get a little bit emotional about it, and I'm like, if I do it enough times, I won't be emotional about it when the time comes. And that is, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that did not work the way I was hoping. Anyways, so I say all that to say, can we be that to our neighbors, right? Can we walk across the street or walk next door or whatever, whatever that looks like in your neighborhood? Can we just reach our neighbors with the gospel? Uh, we don't have to, you know, walk up to their house and, and uh, with our Bible in hand and start preaching at them. I'm not saying any of that, right? Just show your light, right? Just, just let your light shine. So this message was meant to be a charge for seniors, and, and, uh, and I hope that it is and, and uh, that it will be. But my prayer is really not that, you know, to make us all feel bad about not reaching our neighbors and to, to not be convicted about, you know, what we have been doing or, or how we can uh, make up for the lost time. But, um, you know, we, going forward, if we can just be humble, be holy, and be harmless— God doesn't care about our past, right? God doesn't care about, uh, you know, what we did or didn't do this past week, right? But God does care about what we do with the time that we have left, whatever amount of time that is. And so, you know, all we can do is, is make some changes, right? And allow God, like it says in, in verse, whatever that was, uh, 13, let God work in us, right? God, let God work through us and, uh, and let that light shine. So that's all I have this morning. Thank you, guys. son. Yeah, we love you, son. Uh, let's bow our heads in a time of prayer. Uh, we're getting ready to be dismissed, but um, one of the verses Luke read uh, was that uh, Christ not only humbled himself, but he was obedient to death, even the death of the cross, and therefore uh, God also hath highly exalted him and given him, him a name uh, above every name, that at the name of of Jesus, every knee should bow, and um, you know there, there was at least a dozen people in this church this morning that prepared a message to children or adults, and um, you heard uh, Luke speak to us now about being humble and being holy and being harmless, and uh, we're, we're so thankful for Rachel and her family. But uh, none of the teachers and preachers really you know, have command over the Holy Spirit. Uh, I myself was in a church for 31 years uh, every Sunday, most Sunday nights, most Wednesday nights, and I was still lost. And, and maybe that's you today. Maybe you have been in church your whole life, and, and yet you've never personally identified with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That is the good news. That He's our example in all things. Uh, I know in our Life Issues Recovery Group, I, I see people at their darkest times. They're getting out of jail. They're, uh, they've come to meetings even high. And, and uh, 
God uses that dark time to bring them to Christ. And uh, usually as adults, it takes uh, a breaking of, of one's uh, will. And so today, uh, maybe you've just seen the example of a young man that's trying to lead the youth group. And he was just uh, really very transparent with us about his walk with the Lord. And, and maybe you've seen something there that you desire. Maybe, maybe uh, it's just a fine-tuning, but maybe, it's, you know, maybe some of us need to carry our Bible to work or share our faith with our neighbor. But maybe it's a whole paradigm shift that you, you are outside the camp. And uh, maybe you need to be saved this morning. And so uh, with nobody looking around... Um, uh, just to ask, if you would raise your hand, if you're not sure if you're going to heaven, say, Steve, you're talking to me. Would anybody just raise their hand and say, I- I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven when I die. I'd like to know. Is there anybody like that where um, maybe you're online listening and, and please uh, uh, contact us, contact our church. We want to show you from the word of God. Uh, for me, it was in Peculiar, Missouri in 1992. I knelt beside my friend's couch, the guy that took his Bible to work with him, and I gave my life to Christ, and it fixed our marriage. It uh, fixed uh, our children uh, coming to know the Lord and uh, put our life on, on the right course. And so if there's not been that time, uh, if there's not been a place or a time where you've given your life to Christ, uh, please do that. Uh, one more time, anybody with this raised hand say, Steve, I would like to know the Lord. I, I, I'm not sure if I'm saved. So, okay, I don't see any hands, uh, so uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll uh, be dismissed after some announcements. So let's uh, pray. Lord, I do 